you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in a comfortable place than in our pews. You can always catch up with a sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Now, you still miss out on some stuff we think is pretty fun. You know, like seeing one another. What? Catching up. The support and encouragement that that brings. Music. Charming children at children's time. And at our church. This summer has been all about the ice cream. What? I know. But we'll give you what we can. (sighs) Bragging is a sin, Susan Foster. (laughs) My name is Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. Now, we're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age, but we are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or coaching your kid's soccer team, or maybe you're just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. This Sunday, this podcast would be April 29th, so we're we're catching up, y'all. We're only two and a half months behind at this point. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, and whatever month it is when you're listening to this, we just hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't expect you to agree agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is in the midst of that, you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So I preached on the Ethiopian eunuch as well, and we coupled it with the epistle of the day mm-hmm. which was from first john so you've acts chapter eight first john chapter four but here's the thing as a pastor most of my church does not want to be in a bible study gasp gasp right they they don't want to spend time doing that they'll do some stuff sometimes like if i assign a book and we're doing a sermon series they'll sometimes read the chapter of the book but they won't necessarily talk about it with other people and so you have to spring Bible study on them. Yes, we do. We all do this sometimes. And this is one of the reasons why really short sermons don't work in my church, because you have to bring people up to literacy before you can tell them what it means. Right? Mm-hmm. You got to tell them a story before you tell them what it means. Yeah. And so we did a little bit of literacy work. You did some surprise Bible study. We did some surprise Bible study in the middle of the sermon. And so the story of the eunuch, if you haven't read it, Highly recommend you go check it out because we're going to talk about it a little bit in depth right now. <laughs> so maybe pause, go yeah, read it. Go check it out. There's a link on the on the podcast archive page you can check out. But the Ethiopian eunuch is a character in the Bible that we have mentioned in the last podcast episode. We know more about than most of the people in the Bible. Yeah. We know more about the Ethiopian eunuch than any of the disciples. Yep. Like, we know very little about the disciples. We sometimes know if they had a brother or parents, or in Peter's case, a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we know some things. We know what their career was, maybe. But we don't know that much about right. them. We don't, we don't know what their spiritual journey was, was like. We don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. how successful they were as being fishermen. Yeah, we don't know what they look like. I mean, we have these sort of traditions of, like, Peter had a beard. Maybe. Right. Maybe. maybe. Or not. maybe Peter was 15. We don't know. So... <laughs> So anyway, so the Ethiopian eunuch, we have more details in a story about this person than any other person. And so here are some of the things that we know about the Ethiopian eunuch. We know that the Ethiopian eunuch was educated. Yep. We know this because he can read. (gasps) Gasp. And we also know that he is the treasurer in charge of all of the money of the Ethiopian queen, whose name was Candace. So we know that he was in charge of all the money. Right. Right. So not only is he considered trustworthy. Right. He's educated mm-hmm. and 
probably pretty strategic. Right. Right. So smart guy, smart, smart guy. We know that he's wealthy. He's driving a chariot. He's able to travel. He travels to Jerusalem for funsies or pilgrimage, whatever. And he has a scroll of Isaiah, which as we mentioned in the last podcast episode was not something you picked up at the Dollar Tree. The scroll of Isaiah would have been an expensive thing to own. Right. And he could read it. Mm-hmm. Which means that not only did he speak the language of his country, but he also spoke Hebrew, Hebrew. which is a big deal, right? right. So right. very wealthy, very educated. We know that he has elite status because he works for the queen mm-hmm. and he's able to take time off. Right. And we know that he has another status that makes him different because it's how we refer to him. We refer to him as a eunuch. He's a sexual minority. Yep. Uh, a eunuch is somebody who has been castrated at a young age. So that they are not able to have a family, and it's then thought, less likely to steal to protect their family, and more likely to not steal and just enjoy their status as somebody who has access to elite things. He's a sexual minority. He probably wasn't, he didn't have all the testosterone, so he's a sexual minority. And because of that sexual status, he was excluded from the temple. Mm. So he came all the way from Ethiopia to go to Jerusalem to sit outside the temple. He was unable to participate in the life of his own religion. He was an outsider. Right. So we know a lot about this Ethiopian eunuch. And the part that he's reading in Isaiah is about the lamb that was shorn (laughs) and yet was a part of the community. Right. And so he's totally confused about this because if he identifies with the lamb that was shorn, what he asks Philip is, who is this about? Is this about... Mm-hmm. A prophet who's already been? Is this about somebody who's coming? Is this about me? Mm. And Philip has to like jump into this conversation with this guy right. about something that's, these are really home questions for him. Right. Right. We know so much about the Ethiopian eunuch and so much of his questioning probably comes from the fact that he experienced exclusion. Yeah. And so the question that I had for us as a church was not like, what would you do with the Ethiopian eunuch today? Except that it was a little bit, what would you do with the Ethiopian eunuch today? Who, or, what kinds or, of bodies don't belong? What kinds of bodies do we make it difficult for to live, to be part of the community? And so we talked about what person-first language is, yeah. which is to not refer to people as a label. Right. Oh, the epileptic. No, no. No, no. The person who has epilepsy. epilepsy. The person who lives with epilepsy. Right. right. Not the schizophrenic. The person who lives with schizophrenia. Right. That we are humans first, mm-hmm. and some of us have specific challenges. Right. I just read, a, just was one of the message boards I read, it, and it was um, somebody who has a thing with um, gluten. Um, celiac. Celiac, right. And they had their own website, and they're like, I'm a celiac. And somebody had like come at them and been like, no, you're a person with celiac. And they were like, how can I, what's the difference, right? Yeah. And it makes a difference. You have another, you have identity outside of this. this. I mean, the eunuch, he was a sexual minority, but he was also educated, wealthy, and elite. It's another example of how you can have privilege in some ways and not not in other ways, right? Exactly. And that it's not a competition. So person first language helps us to acknowledge people's humanity first and also whatever they struggle with that might be relevant to the conversation. But it's not just about that one thing. You can be more than one thing. Right. So the Bible's not great at this. <laughs> Bible's, Bible doesn't do so much with the person-first language, but it could be worse. Um, they talk about uh, Noah, mm-hmm. who is the person who struggled with alcoholism. Right. And he built a boat. Yeah. We have a whole story about him. He's not a hero in the Bible, by the way, but he's yeah. the main character. He's the main character. 
We talk about a woman who is complicit in a coup and hides invaders, but we call her the whore. Right. We talk about an older woman who gets pregnant. So she's, you know, an, a woman who is old. <laughs> but we, we talk about her as if, like, she's the old woman. Like, right. The old woman who got pregnant. And this happens over and over again in the Bible. We talk about somebody who is raving in the wilderness. And it turns out, well, that's a prophet. You know, like, <laughs> and again, that could be any number of prophets, like right. the vagrant. But imagine if we only referred to them as their as their challenge, right? right? The alcoholic, not, not, the whore, the geezer, the vagrant, instead of the prophet, the mother of the country, the nation, you know, right. instead of the hero of the war, right. we have these labels that we stick on people and it steals their humanity. And so the eunuch is talking to Philip and as he's talking to Philip, he says, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And, you know, you could hear that as a wealthy man saying, oh, why not? Right. Or you could hear it as, is is there a reason why I would not be included? Right. And is that's, this open to me? And that's a home question, right? Right. Am I, am, is, I, good am I good here? Yeah. And Philip kind of goes, mm, I don't know. So, so <laughs> they jump Philip, out of the chair. Because the challenge is Philip, right? The challenge is Philip. Philip is the gatekeeper in, right. in this situation. What is to prevent me? And so what's wild is that Philip welcomes the eunuch who has been excluded from their religion. They are both Jewish. Right. But the eunuch also welcomes Philip. Now, I want you to picture this. The eunuch is in a Tesla. Right. Going along the road. And Philip is running alongside. Right. I love this image. This is like this is like the people who stand on the corner of the freeway with the cardboard sign that says anything helps. Right. And a Tesla rolling up and being like, you want to get in and come for a ride? Like, right. Right. Like it's never going to happen. And if it does happen, it's not going to end well for the person holding the sign. Right. And so right. like it's wild to me that not only does Philip welcome the eunuch, but the eunuch welcomes Philip. Philip. And so they have to open each other up. Right. Um, to, to what's going to happen next. And so the answer to what and, is and to prevent me... And this is after Philip just sort of shows up. Yeah, Philip just kind of like shows up and like starts running alongside the chariot. Right. What is to prevent bodies from feeling welcome and as if they belong? It's just us. Right. We're the only things that can prevent. And we can decide who has worth and who has identity in Christ and who doesn't. Now, we can decide that for our community, but we don't get to decide for Christ. Nope. We don't get to decide for God. Mm-mm. We just get to decide if the people that God made are people that we're willing to learn from and be open to. So the only thing that can prevent people from experiencing their full worth in Christ is Christians. Right? Which is like, it's a heavy, it's a heavy thing to understand because you don't want to cause harm. What's right. our first rule? Don't Do no harm, right? Well, and, it, and it's a thing that we so easily associate with doing harm. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolute power corrupts Corrupts absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And this is one of our corruption places in the church. Yeah. So um, I talked about some things that had happened during the week Mm -hmm. that sort of were moments of exclusion or inclusion. Right. right? So one thing that happened was that John Piper, who's an evangelical a-hole. Can I say a-hole on the podcast? Sure. Yeah. He said some things about women being police officers. He said that women shouldn't be cops because... If women disagree with men, it makes men uncomfortable. And anything that makes men uncomfortable is not of God. Yeah. So guess what we think about that, right? Like, hello, welcome to life. Life is uncomfortable. Hello. What's one of the main ways God works in us? Is it possible, John Piper, that women also have wisdom? 
And is women... it possible? And is it possible that God is using your discomfort to teach you something? Right. Yeah. Like uh, one of our young adults was saying the other day, like we're talking about, well, where do you experience God? And people were saying like, oh, in the silence and nature and the quiet. And he went, when I'm really uncomfortable. Right. I assume it's God teaching me something. Right. Well, good on you. Yeah. God right. is in the discomfort. So John Piper, it's possible that women's bodies can also bear the message of the resurrection. In fact, they're the first ones who did. Amen. Um, and I bet I bet those women made the men uncomfortable. Oh, I bet it made them a little uncomfortable. In fact, they had to go verify their story and got into a race on the way because fragile masculinity. Amen. <laughs> oh, Peter and John. There was another story about a kid named Corbin Fraser who entered a Lego competition. Only the way that it was put in the paper was, kid bound by wheelchair enters Lego competition. What does that have to do with anything it about building Legos? Posted on Twitter. Well, that was the angle that they were taking in the story. It's posted on Twitter, and Twitter worked right for once. <laughs> Somebody wrote back and said, Hey, this is terrible language, and you should correct it immediately. And wildly, <gasps> the magazine, the online magazine, wrote back and said, You are absolutely right. We have corrected everything in the article. Let us know if there's anything else we've missed. Wow. And the person wrote back again and said, thanks. It's really important for us not to use languages like bound. Right. You know, this kid is more than his wheelchair. Well, and and, and, and the wheelchair is not a binding thing for him. Right. It, it is he's a got, freeing thing He's got boy, cerebral palsy, this and this is not what binds him. This is what helps him get around and do right. what he wants to do, including Build entering Legos. Lego competitions. They sort of said, like, well, because he can't run and play with the other boys. And it's like, no, some kids just like Lego. <laughs> like... <laughs> Just let them enjoy it. Even even kids who who, who like to run and play also like. He Legos. has an identity right beyond his cerebral palsy, which includes liking Lego. So, anyway, so Corbin Fraser was in the news, and I said, yeah, it's okay for us to correct each other in these places, right? Sometimes we can do that well. The whole Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. is about claiming not that other lives don't, don't matter, matter, but that stories in black bodies are worthy. Mm -hmm. right that black bodies have a place what is to prevent them from speaking truth only us only the people who already have the power and feel like it's their right to silence well how about we just let people tell their story yeah well we just do that it's the same thing that's happening with the me too times up stuff um it's women saying no our stories are worth more yeah. Than being silenced. It's the same thing that's happening with the Parkland students who everybody would probably prefer to shut up and go back to school saying our bodies matter. And we know that you think that we're minors and therefore we don't have a vote and therefore we don't matter. But one of my favorite things is how many millennials will turn 18 before the next election. Right. And they're saying that's us, by the way. Yeah. All of those students that you're telling to shut up, we're about to be able to vote. Right. And so you need to listen to us. Right. right. If you want to keep your seat, you need to listen to us. And they're still rallying. It's been months and these students are still rallying and still yep. uh, organizing and still meeting with their Congress people and still trying to work. So well done, Parkland students. There was a House chaplain, a House of Representatives chaplain, yeah. who was fired because he prayed for the poor. He was fired for praying for the poor. How dare he? Poor bodies are not welcome here. We don't care. And it was because, uh, you know, the excuse that they made was, well, he's Catholic and therefore he doesn't have family values because he doesn't have a family. I'm pretty sure Catholics have parents. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure they have siblings. Have siblings. I'm pretty sure they consider their congregation 
their right. children. Priests they have connection. Have family value. How anti Catholic well, is when that? When you say that, it just reminded me of a 50th, a celebration of a 50th ordination that mm. I went to for a Catholic priest friend of the family. After the mass, they said, oh, we want all the family to come up and take a picture, uh-huh. right? Yeah. With him. And it was literally the entire chancel of a very large church. Yeah. Like everybody. Right? Like we everybody the was up there. And, and I was standing off to the side because I wanted to greet him. And um, I heard one of his nieces say to her children who were like, who, why are we here? And she's like, well, we're here because of uncle. And, and all of these people are related to him. Yeah. And the little kid was just in awe. This is our family. This, this is, our is family, great. Yeah. Right? So like, can can Catholic bodies say something? Can religious bodies say, say something? something? Can celibate bodies or asexual bodies have a place in society? Can we make some space for people to speak? And this kind of leads into the idea that the gospel, which is about caring for the poor, is political. It's not partisan. Right. But it, but is, it is political, political. because political just means it has to do with people. Right. That's it's about people. And so can we make space? First John four says that God is love and anybody who knows love knows God. So what could prevent them? What could prevent them from finding wholeness and healing in our society? The answer is just us. Just us. And we don't need to do that. No. Nope. We got so, better things to do. Whatever your story is and whatever the stories are that are around you, may you take space to listen to those stories. May you Take space to make sure that other people who would be happier if these stories just went away, shut up long enough so people can share. Yeah. Use your power, use your privilege in the places you've got it to do the work you're called to do, which is to love every person you meet, even the ones you don't think deserve it, because God thinks they do. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us, or maybe you have some more stories about bodies that belong, Shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or at sundaymorningsleepin.com, our website. The scripture for this podcast is Acts 8, 26 to 40, and 1 John 4, 7 to 21. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a service or a podcast for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. Some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier. But here's the deal. We don't have magic words. You have been blessed. You have your own story. The God of all creation who invented, oh, all the best things in the world. Gravity and blackberries and children's laughter and Ben and Jerry's ice cream Mm. thought the world needed one of you too. So the question is, whatever you believe about person first language or how we make sure everybody belongs. How will you live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen. Amen.